Grace and peace be yours from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Tonight's text is from the Gospel reading. Zechariah said of his newborn son, You, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. And this is our text. Dear friends, if tonight I were to plug any movie from over the course of the last year, given our theme for this season, Advent, A Baby Story, perhaps you'd think that the film that I'd plug tonight would be the film that was piquing interest about this time last year in many theaters and in the lives of many Christians. Remember it? It was called The Nativity Story. Perhaps you saw the film, The Nativity Story, the the latest cinematic presentation of those sacred events surrounding the birth of our Lord brought to the silver screen and quite a faithful adaptation to the silver screen from the original screenplay of, of Matthew and, and Luke. But that's not the movie title that best suits our account today. You know what it is? Rather, it's the title of the movie that was in theaters about the same time last year. It was the movie that featured the actor, the acclaimed actor Denzel Washington. The film was called Deja Vu. Deja Vu. I haven't seen the film, but but given the title, perhaps we don't need to see the film to get the gist of it. Deja Vu. We know what it is. We've probably all experienced it before ourselves at one time or another, it's that feeling that we get that what we've just experienced seems awfully familiar. In fact, it seems as if we've experienced that very same thing once before when in fact what what we've just experienced may be the very first time that we ever have experienced it. That's deja vu. A little deja vu is perhaps what we might feel tonight when we consider these events surrounding the birth of John the Baptist. Because we hear of a man who was old and of his elderly wife who was barren. Scripture tells us she was barren, biologically incapable of having children. They were both well advanced in years. They both dearly wanted a child, as was attested to by the fact that, we, as we heard in the Gospel reading, they, they made request by prayer to the Lord for a child. And their prayer was heard. And it was answered with the improbable promise, yes, though aged, she shall be with child. And of course, the promise was met with unbelief. Does it sound familiar to you? It well should sound familiar to you because you remove from the text the names Zechariah and Elizabeth and you insert instead the names Abraham and Sarah. And you have near to the T the account that we heard last week. Deja vu. All over again. As our text from last week so pointedly reminded us, God isn't stifled by our disbelief. He wasn't stifled by Sarah's. He wasn't stifled by Zechariah's. We are, but he's not. For as he said in the face of doubt, we heard him say it last week, is anything too difficult for God? We can thank him that his plans aren't stunted by us. And so as we heard tonight, in his time, just at the right time, 
Just like Sarah before her, Zechariah's wife Elizabeth did also conceive in her old age and in her barren womb. And she did bring forth a son. Another promise made, another promise delivered. It was a promise fulfilled that left the little boy's father absolutely speechful. Not speechless, speechful. Speechless is what Zechariah had been stricken because he didn't believe the message that Gabriel, the messenger sent from God, had delivered to him. And so finally, when the time had come to pass, when the promise had come to pass, beholding that improbable, that, that unlikely newborn son of his, perhaps even holding him in his arms, Zechariah uttered these words that serve as our sermon text tonight. Speaking of his miracle child, he said, You, my child, you will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will, son, you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge, little John, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Now that's some job description. Little John the Baptist didn't have to wonder what he was going to be when he grew up. That was well predetermined for him already. We heard Malachi speak of it 400 years before the arrival of John the Baptist. Now while the events surrounding these miracle births of Isaac, as we heard last week, and John this week, well, they are so very much alike in so many ways. Isaac and John, their respective purposes were so very different. John was so many things that Isaac was never intended to be. Isaac was the first fruit of that unfolding promise, that divine perpetuation of that promise, that indeed, through Abraham, through his seed, all the families of the earth would be blessed. And so with Isaac, the promise was set in motion by God. John is the one given the unique task of making the final preparations for the arrival of this promised one. And then when the time was right, pointing him out to all the world, behold, here he is. And so little John's father prophesied of this little boy's purpose. He said, John, you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. Now, how does one go about preparing the way of the Lord? Well, Zechariah continues and he says, this is how you're going to do it, John. You're going to do it by giving knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. And so that was John's first task, to prepare. Preparation it means that things may not be quite ready. It reminds me of a little construction project, a preparation project really that I saw on a Bay Area street corner not so long ago when I was waiting and waiting and waiting for the light to turn green. A sidewalk was being prepared. Of course, a pathway for pedestrians. A sidewalk was being prepared. The concrete was not yet laid. There was only rugged dirt in that place. And in the ditch of dirt, there was a small backhoe, one of those digging vehicles where the, the plows on the front and the, the mechanical and the motorized scoop is on the back and perhaps you can guess what that backhoe was doing there in that ditch in order to prepare the way. 
It was digging up some of that dirt and moving it, the dirt that was piled too high. And it was pushing other dirt in to fill in those lower spots. That's what it was doing to prepare the way. It was leveling the way to make ready the way just like John. Because that's exactly how John did and how the echo of his voice through the centuries still does prepare the way for the coming Christ. The knowledge of salvation comes only if first there's a knowledge of the need for salvation. That's part of preparation. First, understanding the need for salvation. For who desires healing medicine? Who desires healing medicine if he really doesn't think he's sick and doesn't understand the dire need for that healing medicine? C.S. Lewis put it another way. He said, Christianity, speaking of the gospel of Christianity, he said, Christianity offers no message to those who don't acknowledge their sins. So the knowledge of salvation starts with knowing our need for it. That's what John does. That's what John was sent to do. We heard him described by the prophet Isaiah just a couple days ago in the gospel reading on Sunday. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled up. And every mountain and hill shall be made low and every... And every crooked place shall become straight and the rough places shall be smoothed. You see, that's, that's just how John prepares the way for Christ. He does the leveling and the filling and the straightening and the smoothing. He does it with God's law, which shows us and demonstrates to us the need for salvation. So that's what John does like a holy backhoe. That's what he is. A holy backhoe. John levels the mountains of our human conceit that insist we don't need salvation or any kind of savior or any degree of salvation. He does it through the law by reminding us, he says, well, take a good look if that's what you think. Take a good look at yourself. We can't even stop the aging process which our sin set into motion. We can't even stop the aging process that so slowly breaks these bodies down. And ultimately wears them out. We can't even stop that. Not to mention all of the other facets of our lives. Over which we have just as little control. But are just as broken. Because of our sin. And so showing no partiality to person. By the law John levels those hills of human conceit. And he fills in the valleys of human deceit. Those deep and those dark places. Filling them with light, shedding light on the fact that naturally we're not so inclined as we think toward what is good and what is right. Think about it. Even little children lie if it promises gain. Our mountains he levels, our valleys he fills, the crooked paths John straightens, the rough places by way of the law he makes smooth. And that's how John readies us. By showing us we're not at all ready of ourselves. And then, then things are prepared. And then there's just one more thing. There's just one more thing to make John's job complete. You see, all this preparation, it all is in vain unless John's preparation comes finally to the point. Literally comes to the point. Because... 
That's John, John's final task. To point out the one who was the promise of Abraham. The one who is the promise of us all. The one who now is come. In his gospel, John the Evangelist says this. He says, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him. And directing, and directing the eyes of all the ages to him. He said, Behold. Behold, there he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John said, he said, this is he of whom I said after me comes a man who ranks before me. And then John concludes by saying, for this purpose I came, baptizing with water, that he might be revealed. Duties complete. John then says, he must increase. He must ever increase, and I must now decrease. John's first task was to prepare for him the coming Christ. His second and final task was to point to him. And so it is, that's exactly how the old prophet Isaiah summarizes all of the prophetic work of this one, this special and unique one named John. Not only was he to fill the valleys and level the hills and, and straighten and smooth our ways, but because of John, Isaiah says, all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Why? Because John points him out. And because John the Baptist makes him known to us. Do you know you can still see, you can still see that prophetic finger of John the Baptist Pointing for all flesh to where Christ Jesus and his salvation can be found in the pages of Holy Scripture and in the, the Christo substantive, the Christ substance sacraments. In his word and in his sacraments, there he points, and in them he still, John still proclaims, Behold the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, born of Mary who went to the cross and there paid for your sins and therefore has taken away the sins of your world. All of them. That was John's purpose. And that was his point. That miracle boy, John, he was a prophet of purpose. He was a prophet of preparation. And he was a prophet with a point, literally. His voice still prepares hearts, doesn't it? Still does. And readies them gladly and eagerly to receive the Savior who did come and who still comes to us in his saving word and sacraments. And if all of this sounds a bit to you like deja vu, then it probably is. But then hear it again as if for the very first time. With all that initial joy and gladness. And tonight, especially tonight, thank God for that miracle child, John. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.